0: Offer valid on select AK systems. That's through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Rush Hour with Danny Burke on vSEN, the sports betting network.
2: Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to it. The show is Rush Hour. The network is Visa, and I'm Danny Burke, your host. A big one planned for you this evening, as always, getting you prepped for everything that will be ongoing this weekend tonight, and even more so, helping us out along the way. James Salinas, a Friday regular and former Super Contest champ, he'll be joining us in a half hour. He's got some thoughts, naturally, on the upcoming NFL slate, and how about the NFL MVP race. James got some insight there. We'll see if he's got a play he can dish out for us in that kind of futures region. Amal Shah hopping on beforehand in 15 minutes. We're hitting everything college football. Notre Dame, USC, that crazy game that everybody seems to be going back and forth on with Oregon and UCLA, and much more with the ball. Excited to hear his thoughts on the gridiron collegiately. And then for myself, you know what we do here. You know the routine. We start off with a bunch of props that I'm looking to play this upcoming week. And then just my overall plays, not only for this evening, but past that. We've got some basketball action. We've got some NFL and college football from this week prior, and really some that I've just added as at this point. So, plenty to dissect tonight on Rush Hour. We're happy you're with us. And we are live, as always, out of the Bet River Sportsbook crowd is bumping right now baby the lines are getting bigger and bigger because there's so much to bet right now it's the perfect time we got basketball baseball hockey and football all over the place and hey we can't forget about golf and ufc plenty to choose from and we're here to help you out with that and let's begin though like we always do it is time ladies and gentlemen for prop shelf heading into this weekend a list of my favorite props for nfl week seven going all over the board with this one folks let's go ahead and begin with this Packers game, the Packers and the Washington football team. Now, if you're listening yesterday, we actually teased up the Broncos and paired it with Green Bay, so that's what we're doing in terms of the full game. But for a specific player, I'm looking at Aaron Jones here, thinking Aaron Jones could be primed for a big game against this Washington football team. And the direction that I'm looking at Bet Rivers is the category of rushing plus receiving yards for Aaron Jones. 94.5 is the number over minus 115 under his minus 115 for jones who at this point is averaging 64 rushing yards per game and 28 receiving yards but look the thing that i kind of like to consider too is that fluke of a game against the saints where virtually nothing happened offensively for the packers and if you kind of take that out of the mix and then look at the realistic games that he's had that really pad to his stats You know he would have gone over this mark in 94 and a half in every single game he would be averaging 75 rushing yards per game instead and 30.6 receiving in the air so keep that in your mind as well when you're looking to handicap this but again you know even if you're including that saints game this is a prop that he has gone over in five out of six games first detroit had 67 rushing yards and 48 receiving at san francisco only had 14 receiving yards no problem Got the job done on the ground with 82 rushing yards. Versus Steelers, pretty even keel, 48 rushing, 51 receiving. At Cincinnati, 103 rushing yards, just six receiving, but again, still got you enough to get over the mark. And then at Chicago, got 76 on the ground, 34 in the air. I'm thinking the same thing happens against this Washington football team that, look, you know, this isn't the same defense as last year. They definitely have taken a hit. On the ground, they're allowing opposing running backs over 113 rushing yards per game and about 37 receiving yards to tailbacks. I think instead of just doing one of the individual bets with Aaron Jones that you're seeing at about 66 and a half for rushing or 24 and a half for receiving, I like the combining. I like to combine them in this spot because if he's not killing you in both ways, he's kind of doing it in majority one versus the other. And heck, I guess you don't really know which side to bet on, so why not just group them together? Get a decent bang for your buck, in my opinion, with this number at 94 to a half, and play that over for Aaron Jones rushing and receiving. So that's our first prop. Looking forward to it for NFL Week 7. Let's continue on with a game that we've already dished out a best bet for, and that's the Falcons and the Dolphins. We're taking the Falcons on the money line, and we'll get back into that and revisit it a little bit later in the show when we you know, encapsulate all of my final plays heading into the weekend. But I'm looking at Matty Ice for this game, and it's funny because... No, I didn't have the intention of kind of bringing out his props for the show, but it was too hard to ignore for me both his pass completions and his passing attempts. Starting with his pass completions, Matt Ryan in his pass completions is at 24 and a half. Shaded to the under minus 135 or so, and the over is plus 105. And I'm scratching my head thinking, why is this a dog to the over? Because this guy's already averaging 28 completions per game. He's gone over 24 and a half pass completions in four out of five games thus far and then you just take a look at Miami who he's going to be facing. Look, Mac Jones got 29 completions. Uh Josh Allen got 17, but remember that was a game that they were winning the 35 nothing. They're a car racked up 26. Carson Wentz had 24, but again, that was a game the Colts were winning felt comfortable, utilized the ground game. Tom Brady got 30 and Trevor Lawrence got 25. So every opponent except for two being Josh Allen and Wentz, who didn't need to keep throwing have gone over this mark at 24 and a half. On average, Miami is allowing opponents to complete 25 passes per game. Now, the Dolphins, when you look at completion percentage specifically, they're allowing opponents to complete 66% of their passes. And when you look at how many per game Matt Ryan is attempting, the number is about 41. And when you average that out, that should put them at about 27 completions in this game. Does that mean that's exactly what it's going to be the outcome of it? No, not necessarily, but. It's enough to give me the confidence to bet the over, especially with the fact that the over is a dog. Unless I'm missing something here. You no, know, I really like this angle for Matt Ryan over 24 and a half pass completions at plus 105 courtesy of BetRivers. rivers. And then with that being said, this one, you know, I was kind of looking at different spots and wasn't in love with it because it was a little bit higher, about 35 and a half. I don't think it got to 36 and a half, but right around 35 and a half in some spots. But then bet Rivers put his pass attempts up at 34 and a half over under minus 114 each way. And I said, thank you very much. I will also play that over. Because like we just alluded to, Matt Ryan is averaging 41 pass attempts per game. And he's gone over this mark of 34 and a half pass attempts in every single contest thus far. The Dolphins secondary is abysmal, allowing over 300 passing yards to their opponents per game. You bet that's where the Falcons are going to try to move their offense. They get Calvin Ridley back in the in the mix. They're coming off a bye. The Dolphins have the short week coming from London. This game bodes well for the passing game and just overall game of Atlanta. Again, he's gone over 34 and a half pass attempts in all five games. Uh, Jones had 39 pass attempts against Miami. Josh Allen at 33 in a game. They're up 35-0. Derek Carr at 43. Carson Wentz at 32. Tom Brady and Trevor Lawrence both had 41 Miami getting thrown on 38 times per game, plus they rank bottom half in DVOA pass events, 26 against the pass. That is the area Atlanta is going to look to capitalize upon, and I think Matt Ryan not only goes over his pass attempts at 34.5, but his completions of 24.5 as well, that one for a little bit of plus money to the over, plus 105. So that's what we're riding with. We got Matt Ryan, baby. A lot is resting in the hands of Matty Ice at this age. Could be a little bit dicey, but look, I, I really like the numbers here. and think it's a good spot for Matt Ryan. So we're banking on the best for this Atlanta squad and Mr. Ryan. Let's go to the game involving our team here in the Chicagoland area. The Bears traveling down to Tampa Bay to more than likely get stomped by the defending Super Bowl champion. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I am looking at a prop in this game involving a member of the Buccaneers, tailback at that, Leonard Fournette. No, not his rushing yards, although that spot is intriguing, and he's probably going to go over. It's like 64.5 or so, but I'm looking at what Fournette can do in the air in this game. All right, 24.5 is the best number I saw for his receiving yards out there, over under minus 114 or so, and I played over four Fournette. Now, he's averaging 35.5 receiving yards per game, He's gone over 24.5 receiving yards in five out of six games this season. I think the only time he stayed under is when he ended up with 24 receiving yards, so he just missed it. Now, his averages, he's getting about 4.2 receptions on five targets per game. What do the Bears allow to opposing tailbacks? Well, they allow opposing running backs to average about four catches and 35 receiving yards per game. Just for a frame of reference, looking at what some of these other running backs have done, Kareem Hunt. On the Browns when they play the Bears, got six catches for 74 yards. DeAndre Swift racked up four catches for 33 yards. Aaron Jones got four catches for 34 yards. Yeah, Josh Jacobs only had 19 yards, but he had four catches, you know, whatever. The Raiders, they were using split uh, committee back there a little bit. Joe Mixon only had one catch. Henderson only had one catch, and he was even able to rack up 17 yards on it. Burnett is a main piece of this passing game, especially you're missing Gronk still. You're missing Antonio Brown. The Bears secondary has their lapses. There's no doubt about that. But where they struggle sometimes is in those screen passes. It's in those short games. And that is really where the Bucks like to thrive when all else fails. Or even if they design it that way. And fornette has been a huge piece for this team. And look, the last three games respectively in the air, he's gotten 46 receiving yards, 43, and 47 I have no doubt in my mind he can get over the number of 24 and a half in this game against the Bears. So look around, see if you can get that 24 and a half. I think it's upwards of 27 and a half. I'd probably play it anywhere up to about 28 and a half or so. But expect a big big game, really, both on the ground and in the air for Leonard Fournette and the Bucs taking on the Chicago Bears. So those are the ones that I am officially playing. If you did want to consider some other outlets for props, I think one to keep in mind is Derrick Henry and his receiving yards. We talked about this on Monday Night Football. It was like 11 and a half, 13 and a half. Now that's ticked up to 17 and a half for Derrick Henry over under minus 115 each way. Look, at this point, Henry's averaging 23 receiving yards. He hasn't gone over it the last two games, but he went over it in every single game prior to that. So four out of six games, Henry has eclipsed 17 and a half receiving yards. The biggest thing here is that Chiefs have allowed running backs on average six and a half receptions for 55 and a half receiving yards per game. Five out of six opposing running backs have gotten more than 17.5 receiving yards. Derrick Henry's gonna go off. We know he is on the ground, but maybe he does in the air as well. And then really quick, consider Damian Harris over 65 and a half rushing yards, playing the Jets again. Last time they went around with him, he got about 62 rushing yards, but I think he has a big game. He's coming off a big game against Dallas. He could go over his rushing yards prop as well. But we're going with Burnett over his receiving yards, Matt Ryan over his completions and attempts, and Aaron Jones rushing and receiving combined. Coming up next, we're switching to college football. Amal Shaw, co-host of Adan, joining us.
0: This is Rush Hour on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from a local perspective got The Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh City Cast up and running. Plus, don't forget the Los Angeles City Cast and now the Denver City Cast available to you wherever you get your podcasts. Five episodes a week, local betting content. Get subscribed to your local City Cast. Alrighty, welcome back to it here on Rush Hour on VCD Sports Betting Network. I'm Danny Burke, your host. Thank you for joining us this Friday evening as we get you prepared. For the weekend, full of action, not only in the National Football League, but college football as well. And we'll get to college football in a moment. But I just want to say later on in the show, we do have some basketball to look forward to as well. So we've got a big slate going on. And even if we don't talk about it a lot here in our one-hour show, be sure to subscribe to Visa. And you get a hold of the NBA betting guy, Jonathan Von Tobel, a.k.a. JVT, gets you squared away with all the NBA action with the Visa newsletter, vsin.com. Slash subscribe for all the NBA action. Andy McNeil's got you for the NHL action, so a lot of puck as well. But let's go to college football. Let's talk about a game that we will touch on a little bit later in the show, but I discussed this earlier in the week, and this is really the only play that I've made in college football this week, and that's going to be in the game between Notre Dame and USC. Now, when you're looking at the spread, just kind of searching all over the place, you've seen it kind of vary from seven, six and a half, keep bouncing back and forth. But as it stands at Bet Rivers, the Fighting Irish are laying 7 in this spot. Moneyline has Notre Dame minus 245, plus 188 on the buyback for the Trojans. This total has settled for the most part at about 58, right? And, you know, the area I was keyed in on was that total. And I bet it over 57.5 earlier this week. This is two teams that really rely on their passing attack and defenses that haven't really been that impressive in my opinion. And it's just a rivalry game. I think it has the makings to have a lot of fireworks. Could be going back and forth throughout the whole course of this matchup. So again, I played this one over 57.5. I'd still play it over 58. If it gets to about 58.5 or above, I might be a little bit hesitant. But that's personally my best angle for not only this game, but naturally college football in general this week. And if you're looking at the spread, if you get it under 7, I would have the temptation to lay it with uh, with Notre Dame. But nothing that I'm necessarily in love with in terms of the spread. Let's go ahead and see what Amal Shaw's got in terms of this game in South Bend on Saturday night. Amal Shaw joining us now, who you can follow along on Twitter at Amal Shaw one co-host of Odds On with Mike Palm right here on v Monday through Friday, 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Amal, my man, thanks as always for joining us. So we're discussing Notre Dame and USC. Spread is 7, total is 58. What you got in this matchup?
4: Yeah, I would lean with you towards the over here. I don't particularly like a sl- side. I think both teams are hit or miss. Uh, we've seen Jack Cohen struggle. We've seen the USC defense struggle. Uh, I'm just not sure what kind of engagement you get out of the Trojans. We saw them get worked by Utah at home. Uh, so for me, this is one I'm just not interested in touching. I, I think it's just a, at this point in time, it's a tough game unless you see a overwhelming side one way or the other that you like.
2: All right, well, what about this Clemson-Pittsburgh game, all? Because it seems like the slate is more so top-heavy where you get a few games that everybody's been really keyed in on, and this happens to be one of them. I saw the spread get down to three, and now it's back up at three-and-a-half in favor of Pittsburgh at home against Clemson. Total is showing at 47-and-a-half. And And again, you know, it just seems like everybody's on Pittsburgh in this game. Do you agree with that side, or do you think, hey, maybe it's kind of a buy-low spot on the Tigers?
4: Well, you know, if I hear that one more time on Clemson, I'm going to tell those people they're not betting on Clemson <laughs> because I tell you right now, Danny, there's no way you can back a team. Pets, you know what? I think they could overlook with Pittsburgh. They're the number two scoring offense in college football. Clemson hasn't scored more than 19 points in a regulation against uh, Division one foe this year. They scored 49 against West, uh, Excuse me, South Carolina State uh, in Week 2, but they have really struggled. to put-up 21 against NC State in a double overtime game. Uh, To me, this is one of those spots where you take Pittsburgh and you lose, you lose, you just live with it. Um, There's just no way you can back this team. I don't know if Davos Sweeney doesn't realize it, but everybody else seems to realize that Tony Elliott's one of the worst offense coordinators in college football. This Clemson team has been pedestrian at best. If the name didn't say Clemson on the jersey this week, Pitt's a seven-point favorite in this matchup.
2: And, and would you still look to laying it over the key number of three, or would you maybe entertain the money line minus 167 at that point, or are you comfortable with three in the hook?
4: No, I, I don't mind it. Uh, look, I think Pittsburgh is a far better team in a lot of different areas. Uh, the one area where I think they are going to be able to expose Clemson is on the offensive line. I think this Pittsburgh defense is good. They lost a couple of key players from last year, uh, including their top two sack guys. But for me, I think they haven't dropped off at all. They'll be just fine in this spot. I like them to really be able to put pressure on Clemson. I like them to be able to cover the number, whether it's three, three-and-a-half, or four. I thought this number should have been six. And uh, so I, I would lay it here with Pittsburgh.
2: Okay, let's go with some Big Ten action, though, Amal. Let's talk Maryland and Minnesota. The Gophers did an uh, impressive job against Mike Cornhuskers, but more so is just Nebraska doing classic Nebraska and playing pathetically. But look, Minnesota at home in this spot, lane five of the hook against Tungavailoa in Maryland. Total on this one is 53-and-a-half. This one, I, I really don't have that great of a read on, but do you think it's almost a little bit of an overreaction to Minnesota
4: winning last
2: week, or do you think this is appropriately set?
4: No, I think it's appropriately set. If you look at Minnesota, this is a team that's been very solid. I, I was actually surprised that they were a home dog against Nebraska. I didn't think Nebraska was justified in being a favorite. I think so many times, you know, the odds makers kind of s- stick with their original numbers before the season started. Danny, when you look at Maryland at 4-2, and two, we saw them get absolutely crushed by Iowa at home, get crushed by Ohio State uh, the following week. Now, granted, they're coming off of a bye, but uh, I know they had that early win against West Virginia, but the Mountaineers have gone backwards. The rest of their wins are really not that impressive. They barely escaped the Illini in Champaign. They were very fortunate in that game. Minnesota played Ohio State far more competitive than we saw Um, Maryland did against the Buckeyes. Also, when you look at this team, they're coming in in a situation, to me, where they had a good win against Nebraska. It helps you in your week of practice when you come off of a win like that. I think they'll be ready to go against this Maryland team, a very winnable game. They've played a very stout Purdue defense so far. Had a couple of hiccups along the way. Obviously, I mentioned the Ohio State game. And, you know, a loss to Bowling Green that shouldn't have been there. That was a game that they should have won. But over the course of the season, sometimes you have some ups and downs. I still, still think this team is pretty solid overall. I like Minnesota here against Maryland.
2: All right, what are your thoughts here, though, in the Pac-12 with Cal and Colorado? Colorado catching eight in the hook on the road. This total is a shorter one at 43. Uh, what have you been seeking out for this game? Personally, I haven't really dove into this one as much, but I'm curious your thoughts because Colorado has been kind of a perplexing team to me this season.
4: Yeah, Colorado's really challenged offensively. I just couldn't back him. I think it's tough to lay the number with Cal in this particular spot. Brennan Lewis played extremely well against Arizona, but then again, if you don't play well against Arizona, you might as well disband the football program. I mean, this Buffalo's team this year, outside of their one win against Northern Colorado, they have really struggled. they had gone long stretches where they couldn't score the football. I think at one stretch it was seven or eight quarters between a Minnesota, and Arizona State. They did get crushed by USC. They bounced back at the win against Arizona. I I, I don't know. I think this number's a little bit short, but I don't want to take Cal, and I can't take Colorado with the number at. I thought it should be a little bit higher, closer to ten. So no play for me here. And I know Cal is one in five, but Danny, when you look at the Cal Golden Bears, they've been far more competitive than their final their uh, record would indicate. You know, they could have they lost Washington in overtime, had an opportunity against TCU. Um, against Oregon, they came up about two yards short of facing what would have been a decision for Justin Wilcox. In my opinion, they would have gone for two and potentially the win. So I think this team is a little bit more battle tested. I think it's a good opportunity for them in this spot against a Colorado team that also is offensively challenged.
2: All right, all, we got about 90 seconds remaining, the game that a lot of people are looking forward to, and some don't understand the movement, but Oregon and UCLA, Ducks open as the favorite. Bruins now the one-and-a-half-point favorite, total up to 60. Did you agree with that line movement toward the home team in UCLA?
4: Yeah, I do, simply because, to me, when you look at um, the quarterback situation, I think UCLA has the edge with DTR over Anthony Brown. I just don't want a guy who couldn't really uh, make the cut at Boston College to be my st- starter at Oregon. This Ducks team is good, but they've also had some injury issues defensively. They have not been that stout. You know, ever since the Ohio State victory, it seems like they have regressed a bit, and they've got to figure out a way to play better in this game against the Bruins. Critical game in terms of both the Pac 12 South and the Pac 12 North. Uh, UCLA being at home, I-, I give them the edge to win this game. Remember the Bruins last year had Oregon on the ropes up in Eugene. So now an opportunity for the Bruins to get that revenge here, and I think they get it done just simply because of the lack of offensive continuity at the quarterback position for Oregon here. I'd like DTR and company to win this game.
2: Yeah, and if you don't even want to mess with the spread, money line minus 118, not too shabby. Only 10 cents more than laying the one and a half and a half, and. This game could get dicey, volatile for both of these teams, so it might be safer just to go outright winner, and that's where the movement's gone with UCLA, and that's the direction Amal is leaning as well. Amal, that's about the time we have for tonight, but enjoy all the college football action tomorrow. We'll be looking forward to you covering it tomorrow morning here on v But but uh, we'll be looking forward to catching up next week too. Take care, my man.
4: Thank you so much.
2: At Amal, Shaw, one on the tweets, co-host, the Vodzon, right here on the Vegas Stats Information Network. 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. James Salinas, also of Eason Oak, talking NFL next.
0: This is Rush Hour on v the Sports Betting Network.
2: Get ready for all the action this NBA season with all of VEASAN's basketball betting experts. And you can help yourself by grabbing a copy of the VEASAN Pro Basketball Betting Guide with strategies, predictions, and best bets to help you stay ahead of the odds makers. Our hoops experts, which includes Jonathan Tobel, provide strategies and advice, as well as predictions for conference winners, win totals, playoff teams, and play rewards. This digital guide is a must-have, so give yourself the best betting edge this season. Get your copy now for only $9.99. You can get a hold of that at vsun.com slash subscribe. That's vsun.com slash subscribe. All righty, welcome back to Rush Hour. Danny Burke, your host here on Vsun D Sports Betting Network. As always, we are live out of the Bet River Sportsbook. Crowd is getting thicker and thicker here. A lot of sports to bet on, and the biggest one we're looking forward to as always, is the NFL, and Week 7 is upon us, and to help us handicap this slate, let's go ahead and bring on former Super Contest champion James Salinas, also co-host of the Pro Football Blitz Saturdays and Sundays right here on VEASAN. James, as always, a pleasure having you on. Let's jump right into it with an AFC North matchup that I'm sure a lot of people are going to be looking to tease down with the Ravens here as they're laying 6.5 against the Bengals. James, look, at the same time, the Cincinnati team has been fairly solid for the most part. Uh, this total we're seeing at about 46. What is your best angle for this matchup on Sunday?
5: But speaking to the total Danny 46 and a half is where I got it so that's where I'm going here I'm going to the under in this game 46 and a half and, and I know the last year and actually the last few years it's been a while since the Bengals have been relevant in the AFC North and in particular having to compete against their rival uh, in Baltimore against the Ravens thinking about last year just complete whitewash for the Ravens in a sense that 65 to 6 was the margin in those two victories last year against the Bengals and we know for Joe Burrow rookie quarterback last year. Only played in one of those contests and took a beating in that contest. And I think there's some learning lessons there. I mean they drop back too many times, especially against uh, a suspect offensive line and you know how Martindale's defense is going to be for the Ravens. He's going to show so many different pressure fronts. Not going to show the young rookie where he's coming from. He'll bring seven eight guys up at the line of scrimmage and then drop off into coverage and not knowing where that blitz is coming from or that pressure is coming from. Well, he learned a hard lesson last year and you've got joe mixon fully healthy back for this game for the Bengals. i think we're going to see some ground game from the Bengals. you're going to have to you can't even though burrow is back fully healthy and he didn't have chase last year his new rookie companion from his days at lsu a couple years ago offensively yeah they're clicking but i think from this standpoint here this is going to be it's a big game and it's going to it's a big divisional game the Bengals haven't been to that stamp, haven't been there competing at least this early or late in the season, wherever you want to call it. I think it's going to be a very competitive game, but I think it's going to be more competitive on the defensive side, in particular for the Bengals. And thinking about where the Bengals are right now, you know, the, the additions of having Reeder and Hendrickson on that front line along with Hubbard up there, I think it's a pretty formidable front line. Keep this in mind, too, for the Bengals getting Ricardo Allen back. He came back last week, had a handful of snaps. He, he broke his hand that first game against the Minnesota. Vikings was on IR for a while. And what Ricardo Allen does is he kind of allows the, they, they, they'll, I think we'll see a lot of three safety sets out of the Cincinnati Bengals to play that run in that short passing game from Lamar Jackson and really let those other two safeties, Vaughn Bell and Jesse Bates, kind of roam around up there at the line of scrimmage. Those two guys are hard hitters and really a lot of single high safety sets with Ricardo Allen, the veteran back there, on the backside. So I think it's going to be a very physical game. I would love to see a, a prop out there. Maybe Circa can hang one out there. Jeffrey Benson, if you're listening, I'd love to see how many personal fouls are going to be in this game because I think this is going to be an old-school blow bath here, I think it's going to be incredibly physical, and I would take bet the max on the over when it comes to personal fouls. But in this sense here, for a real wager, what I did under 46.5 in this game, I think it's going to be a very competitive and very physical game, and I think points are going to be hard to come by.
2: All righty. So James rolling with the under in that matchup in the AFC North with the Bengals and the Ravens. What are your thoughts here with the Giants and the Panthers? Now, before on the show, uh, prior to us, my guys in the desert, you know, uh, Chris Andrews hopped on, and obviously the head odds makers there at the South Point, and he said they kept going back and forth from two and a half to three. James and I don't really want to touch this game, but currently at Bet Rivers, at least Carolina is the three point favorite. Totals at forty two and a half. Is there a little bit of you know reliability on maybe taking the points with the Giants here, or are you seeing a different avenue worth of play?
5: <laughs> a different spot here. I'm looking at both sides. I don't want to take either side. Myself. And so going back either way, I don't like either of these teams. I know the first few weeks of the season, Carolina got off to a really good start, really didn't play quality competition. And once they stepped up in class when it came to their opponents, we've seen definitely some regression out of the Panthers the last few weeks. And it's really, namely, it's been on the offensive side of the football. Sam Darnold starting to see those ghosts of of New York Jets' past, and he returns back to the same stadium that he played in for a number of years as a New York Jet quarterback back to MetLife. I don't know if that was. If it's really Buckner walking back into Shea, but I think that would be uh, that would be an insult to Bill Buckner because he was a great baseball player who just had one play back in the day in New York City as opposed to Sam Darnold, how poorly he played with the New York Jets and how dysfunctional that franchise was. and He was able to exercise some of those demons beating the New York Jets in week one, but that was in Carolina. Now he returns to you know the house of horrors that is MetLife Stadium for Sam Darnold, and he's reverted back to the old Sam Darnold the last few weeks, has not performed very well, six interceptions, I believe, over the last three games. So I don't know what we're going to get out of Sam Darnold here, but I can tell you what we're going to get. I have what to expect out of the New York Giants team. This is just a bad football team. It's a bad it's a bad organization from the top on down and we're seeing that play out. I think this is a team that would rather be playing on the road as opposed to be playing in MetLife Stadium at home. They are 1 and 5 their last six home games there in MetLife and including 0 and 3 so far this season in those three games Danny they've only scored four offensive touchdowns. Two of those touchdowns came late in the game, garbage time. One was against the Rams last week to finally get on the scoreboard from a touchdown perspective, and one came late against the Denver Broncos where they got really handled in that first week of the season. I just think the Boo Birds in New York are going to be, and those Boo Birds in the stands are going to be out early singing uh, because I just think there's so much pressure on this team, this whole season organization from start to finish out there. They just do not perform well at home, but I just can't trust the Carolina Panthers here to want to lay any points on the road with Sam Darnold returning back to his house of horrors like we talked about, so I did find an angle where I want to go with. Now the Giants struggle at home like we talked about, and now you're going to be missing Saquon Barkley again, not going to be there to run the football. Galladay and Kadarius Tony are going to be out, as well as their the rest of their offensive weapons. You're thinking about Shepard and Slayton and Ross. They're all nursing hamstring injuries, and Evan Ingram hasn't been healthy all season with his calf injury. I don't know where the points are going to come from with the New York Giants. They're they're banged up on the offensive line. They're missing three starters. They're having to move their tackles around. And that's the one area that I think Carolina will exploit is that offensive line for the New York Giants. You've got Brian Birds and, and Hassan Reddick coming off those edges. I think it's gonna be a long day for Daniel Jones to put points on the board. So found a bet here under 20 and a half points team total for the Giants. That's where I'm going. I did have to lay some juice saw it where it was was a dollar 20 but again under team total for the New York Giants at home laying a dollar 20
2: all right under 20 and a half for the Giants who have been a mess as you alluded to I mean that's the best way to put it just a dumpster fire Ryan Rossi who hosts the host of Philadelphia Citycast <laughs> comes on once a week says that every single time and he's right I mean this team is just abysmal. <laughs> Uh, speaking of teams that kind of fit the bill as being abysmal what about the Houston Texans James on the road against the Cardinals we always find a game where the spread is just obscene and this is one of them 17 and a half is what Arizona is laying this totals at 47 and a half and James I think some other spots even had Houston up to 18 and a half as the underdog here I got to assume you're looking to take the
5: points with the Texans am I wrong here I'm looking to take the points with the Texans, but not for the full game. So I was shopping around. It was it's it's climbing up. It's 17 and a half. I actually saw an 18 at one of the books out here in Colorado, and I was really tempted. I mean, those are massive numbers in the NFL, but. You know, I, the Texans are a mess. We know that. And and I just don't trust that offense. It's just such an impotent offense. I don't trust them to be backdoor lover covers uh, to be able to make anything happen in the fourth quarter if that backdoor is open, which I suspect it will be. But I just look at the scheduling spot here for the Arizona Cardinals. These guys love to play in the underdog role. Huge, not a big point spread underdog last week going into Cleveland, but definitely not the consensus pick. Everybody was rolling with the Cleveland Browns. Everybody. Everybody told the Arizona Cardinals with the injuries and the COVID going through the locker room, you don't have a shot to play. You're not going to go into Cleveland and win. Well, they love playing that underdog role. They did it last week really hammering the the Cleveland Browns from start to finish a couple weeks back as well going into Los Angeles and beating the Rams the way that they did on the road. But here you know they've had those high level games very competitive games and then this is the ultimate kind of flat spot for them because think about it short week on Thursday night hosting the Green Bay Packers there in Arizona with potentially competing for that number one seed in the NFC. I think that's where the Arizona Cardinals not only putting themselves to compete in the NFC West they're putting themselves to compete in the NFC conference. So here I just think right. it's a it's a big number. I found Texans for the first half, 10 and a half in the first half. They've competed in the first half with Davis Mills outside of the Buffalo game. They got worked, but we're competitive last week. We're competitive against the Carolina Panthers. That's where I'm going. Texans in the first half plus 10 and a half
2: heard it here james salinas ladies and gentlemen thank you so much james as always for contributing coming up next we're going more nfl plays. stick around final segment of rush out
0: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Rush Hour on VSN, the sports
4: betting network.
2: Bet Rivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting and Bet Rivers has you covered for the NFL season. They offer same-game parlays in all pro football matchups, and they have the Reduce the Juice promotion on game days. Plus, if you didn't know, this NFL season, they have their $1 million Beat the Spread Challenge with thousands of dollars given away each week. Pro football betting is more rewarding at BetRivers. Download the app or go to BetRivers.com to place your wagers. Offers valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem. Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia and Iowa. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Okay, welcome back into it here on Rush Hour. Final segment as we are live out of the Bet River Sportsbook. Having a good time here. Big screen. Got plenty of plays going on for people who are sweating them out with all the action. Baseball occurring, or about to be, rather. Hockey. You know we've got basketball. NFL college to look forward to. So with that being said, let's go with the games we're looking forward to. It is that time. It is Danny's Dimes. Let's get right into it with some of the aforementioned NBA action this evening. Now, yes, our... Last play in the NBA revolved around the Bulls, and this one is going to be betting on the Bulls as well. Don't worry, it's not just going to be all about the Bulls, but uh, let's get into this matchup with the Bulls and the Pelicans tonight with a spread of about 6.5 and a total at 222.5 currently at Bet Rivers. So instead of looking at the spread or full game total for this spot, I'm going to be looking at an individual team total for the Bulls here. 113.5 One thirteen and a half and a half is the number that I got. It's up to one fourteen and a half and a half at Bet Rivers. You could probably still look around and get a one thirteen and a half. and a half. But even at one fourteen and a half, and a half, I would still play over for the Bulls here against the Pelicans. No Zion Williamson. Not that he's a huge defensive threat. But look, the camaraderie of this team in New Orleans isn't going to be the same. They just had a brutal opening start to their season against the Sixers. They allowed one seventeen to this Philly squad. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, the offense for the Bulls looked depleted in game one. I get it. They're working out the kinks. they were a little bit rusty, and you were certainly sweating out that spread if you laid the five. But nevertheless, this team is a lot better offensively with the pieces they have added than they were last year. But last year, they had no problem against the Pelicans, won both games, and got 129 and 128 points respectively, both home and away against the New Orleans Pelicans. I envision them having the same success tonight and being able to get over their team total mark of 113 And a And again, even if you're seeing 114 and a half, would still recommend playing that over at minus one fourteen. So to kick things off this evening on the hardwood, rolling with the Chicago Bulls, team total over 113.5 points this evening. Now let's transition, talk some college football. I already kind of touched on this earlier, so we won't spend too much time on it through this play out earlier in the week. But USC and Notre Dame, I'm looking at that total over 57 and a half. Currently at BetRivers, Rivers, it's at 58. Would still play that mark over. Both of these teams rely on the passing attack. I think it's going to be an upward momentum type of game, back and forth type of action, and I don't think the defenses are really going to be I don't know, coming alive consistently in this game. It's a different type of feel when these two teams meet and they have the capability of producing enough points. We've seen Notre Dame do that in a lot of spots and USC can certainly do it. And I don't like this Trojans defense whatsoever. So I think this has the makings of a game going over the total. Again, I played 57 and Now it's at 58. Would absolutely still play it with the total at 58 for the Fighting Irish and the Trojans. But let's go ahead and get into some of the NFL action this weekend. Let's talk... About that Bears and Bucks game. Now, I kind of tweeted this out. Well, I mean, I did tweet it out the other day at Danny Burke Fiverr. You can follow me on Twitter. But I was saying, you know, if you're looking for a first half angle, maybe you should consider this. And the angle for the Bears and the Bucks game was the total points by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first half. Okay, 16.5 was a number listed. Under was minus 129. And that's what I played in this game. Under. 16 and a half first half points by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bet Rivers had the best number in that spot. Next closest was 15 and a half. Now, the Bucs have gone over this in four out of six games, okay? But the thing is, the Bears have the number one first half defense in the National Football League, limiting opponents to just getting six first half points per game. No opponent has gone over 16.5 in the first half against Chicago. The team that got closest to doing so was week one on the road against the Rams, who had a couple of explosive plays that only ended up getting them 13 points in the first half. If the Bears can have a bend-don't-break mentality against this dominant Buccaneers offense, which they have had against several other teams thus far in the season, then I imagine them limiting the Bucs to staying under 16 and a half. The thing, too, is that, yeah, as good as this Buccaneers team is moving the ball, the Bears are pretty solid in the red zone. Defensive efficiency-wise, they rank third in limiting opponents to just scoring a touchdown in the red zone 45% of the time. So even if they are moving the ball downfield consistently, maybe they're utilizing it more so on the ground game, but whatever it may be, if the Bears can limit the Bucs to maybe one touchdown here in this first half, and the rest can be field goals, and I really like the chances of the Bucs staying below 16.5 points in the first half. I think it's a really good spot here to take advantage of a really a number that you're not going to realistically get again in the rest of this season for the Bears. Maybe the Ravens will be like 14 and a half when they come to Soldier Field, but that's a fat maybe. Otherwise, I think you take advantage of this high number with the best first half defense in the league and take under 16.5 first half points for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Bears. But moving on, let's kind of revisit a play that I did make in the NFL. I believe it was on Tuesday when we first uh, dished it out. And this game has been seeing a lot of movement as of late. Let's talk Dolphins and Falcons here. Open to pick them. Immediate movement went toward Atlanta up to two and a half. And as of late, you've been seeing some buyback going to two and company. Because now the spread is down to two. Moneyline I played on Atlanta minus a buck thirty-six. However, now at Bat Rivers, it's minus one twenty-nine. Miami now catching plus 114. If you were curious about the total, it's at about 47.5, just dipped down from 48. But consider the situational spot here. Atlanta coming off a bye. The Dolphins coming back from London. They're a brutal team right now, and I'm not saying the Falcons aren't, but there's just such a mess right now and all the rumors and controversy about the quarterback situation with Tua and Deshaun Watson. You don't think that's going to be a distraction? You don't think the Falcons can have a good day against this brutal Dolphins secondary? We already gave out our Matt Ryan props to start the show, but Atlanta had the rest. They've had time to prepare. Then it's time to prepare against a Dolphins team that just looks like a mess and, again, is a liability defensively. Plus, Atlanta's getting back their star receiver in Calvin Ridley. To me, this screams like a better spot for Atlanta, and I don't see how it wouldn't based off the situational spot here. So look for Atlanta, and instead of laying the two, because Atlanta's going to find a way to make the spread closer than it should be. So I just laid on the money line, minus 136. Again, you're getting a better number now at minus 129. So, of course, I would still recommend playing Atlanta on the money line. What could go wrong, right? I mean, it's Atlanta. They never screw anybody over with their bets. Oh, wait, it happens to me all the time. But, no, seriously, hopefully Atlanta can finally change the momentum when it comes to me and pretty much everyone else that seems like betting them. It should be. Keyword should be the right spot for the Falcons on the road against the Dolphins. So that's the other play I did make in the NFL for Week 7. Finally, I did just want to talk about this play, not as of this point using it as an official bet, but keep an eye out and consider the Bears' team total against the Buccaneers this Sunday. Over, that's right, over for the Bears' team total, 165 half. And I say that because, look, this Buccaneers defense is really not solid this season. Not saying they can't get there. Against the run, they're fantastic. Number one in the NFL. Against the pass, they're allowing opposing quarterbacks over 290 passing yards. But the Bears don't throw the ball. I get it. I get it. That's why it's tough to bet this. But you would assume there would be some competency with this coaching staff. Big word, assume. But you know what happens when you assume, and especially when you do it with the Bears coaching staff. They need to let Justin Fields sling it. If they can do that... The Bears should be able to do enough to get over their team total points of 16 and a half for this full game. Minus the buck 30 is what you're laying, and you have seen some momentum go toward the over here. They actually rank 10th in red zone efficiency offensively, getting a touchdown about 67% of the time. And defensively, Tampa Bay is allowing opponents to score a touchdown in the red zone 65% of the time. The Bears have gotten 17 or more points in three out of six games this season. But the kicker is Tampa Bay has allowed every single opponent to get at least 17 points or more this season. Heck, the Eagles got 22. The Falcons got 25. The Dolphins got 17. The Patriots got 17. It would be very Bears-like for them not to do it. But if you have more conviction than I do, I think the Bears' team total over 16.5 is the right play if we can trust the play calling, and I know we can't. But if we think that they can do something, worthwhile for one to let the kids sling it then the bears should be able to get over 16 and a half total points against the buccaneers again that one is a lean but consider that strongly for their upcoming game against tampa bay all right all in all folks as we're wrapping up here another edition of rush hour the bets we are playing with just going over all of them for basketball tonight bulls team total over 113 and a half Aaron Jones over 94.5 receiving and rushing yards. Matt Ryan over 24.5 completions and over 34.5 pass attempts. Leonard Fournette over 24.5 receiving yards. Still sweating out our teaser. USC over. Then we got Falcons money line. Bucks first half total points under 16.5. If you want more, follow me on Twitter. Take care. Enjoy your weekend.